Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Jesus Plus Therapy Sis. This week's community partners are Resilient Therapy and Solutions and Empowered to Conquer. Check them out on all social media platforms. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and follow Jesus Plus Therapy Sis on all podcast platforms. And hey, don't forget that we're in it season one with prayer so if you have a prayer request please send them to jesus plus p-l-u-s therapy sis at gmail.com we are so excited to pray for you hey 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 welcome back y'all did y'all hear me fussing at y'all the last episode? I felt like I was fussing at our, our, our listeners <laughs> while I was fussing at you. Like I was fussing at our listeners. Like, y'all better be there and support me on Sunday. And maybe somebody did hear it and then somebody came in it because it was a release at 10. So if you are a faithful listener and you heard the podcast come on at 10, then you probably jumped in on 11. Who knows? But you were still at church or in online service. Who knows? It was good. Um, I called it online. And I'm telling you, you look like you were in your element, like you've been doing this all your life. Like, I literally saw you speaking to crowds regarding mental health um, and, you know, dealing with the stages of grief. And girl, when I tell you, you look like you were in your prime, honey, like Michael, Michael Jordan. Okay. Ah, you so like, uh, just Michael Jordan throwing the threes and all of this stuff. You did really well. And I think we should continue the conversation tonight and just continue to talk about grief to our listeners. Um, on tonight's podcast. Please. Right, y'all. So let's talk about how she talking about the key word to podcasting is potty. Yeah. I was like, what, what is this? Don't say, who going to the bathroom? Don't nobody got time for that. So I'm so glad she used the whole word and not the short version of the word. The potty for the 99 in the 2000. But anyway, I really. (laughs) I really thoroughly enjoyed um, your group session with your church. And I think that you know, um, you've coined yourself as the church therapist, but I really do see you being able to speak to multitudes internationally um, surrounding around or centering around mental health. So, um, yes, you are the church therapist. However, I just believe that God is going to take you beyond the four walls and you're going to be able to speak into so many other realms um because you are called to the marketplace especially huh as it relates to mental health because that's your lane you look like you were in your element i was like look at my sister she better do the doggone thing huh listen i was proud well i appreciate you and i'm I'm grateful for the opportunity shout out to pastor emory edwards and the c2 nation family um for that opportunity and the support and the feedback like people still talking about it um so i'm grateful for the opportunity to have um done it i was definitely in my ram shout out to my support systems um in the building who were in the building who were watching online shout out to the team that spoke to my life hey yay listen you out on that I know on my live stream, it was it had got up to like 30 or so people and then not including the share. So I don't even know, you know, how many views you probably had just since Sunday. I know that it was a great amount of people on there watching, actually interacting with the um, live stream. So to say... Um, when you say that people are still giving you feedback, oh yeah, 
because I think that that's going to be your lane where you literally go to different churches and just speak about mental health because it's needed. And girl, listen, we were just talking about this before um, we started recording, but an interesting fact that you mentioned in um, your sermon was that grief um, actually can, you grieve every life event. Mm -hmm. And can you go deeper into that for our listeners? (laughs) Yeah, so grief uh, is not about death alone. So grief is any life-changing event that happens. So let me give you a prime. This is the prime example I give about grief that everybody can relate to, and they don't realize that they go through it because death kind of paralyzes us in grief, but the other grief moments that we have go so quickly we don't realize we've gone through the five stages of grief so the best example i give is when you lose your keys so there are five stages of grief there's bargaining there's depression there is anger there is um i'm missing one there's acceptance bargain anger depression oh and denial right so think about when you lose your keys and if you have your keys in a designated place like i do to lose your keys you're going to go through these five stages so five and again they're not in a sequence of order one two three four five you can go from one stage to another stage so for instance okay so you got your you 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 own your way to work or somewhere important and you go to your designated place and your keys ain't there the first thing you'd be like, I know I put my keys right here. I know this why I put my keys. I know I have my keys. And last night when I came in the house, you going through the store and you're saying this out loud, even if there's nobody in the house with you. So that is you being in that denial state, right? Like not realizing you may have moved really fast last night and you didn't hang your keys up in your normal routine so you go through the denial then you start bargaining don't let nobody be in the house because now you're tearing up the house i know my keys around here somewhere so you looking in the typical place you look in your purse you look in your bedroom you maybe look somewhere on the countertop look somewhere in the kitchen you look in your your usual go-to places kind of retrace your steps right and after you retrace your steps you then go that's the bargaining part like i'm just you and then if somebody has i just want y'all to put my (laughs) keys back where you found them y'all need to put my key who got my keys Mm -hmm. Who, who got my keys right and so after a while, you start getting angry because you know you put your keys in this designated place. And so now you got a whole attitude. You cussing, you fussing. You up here trying, Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, <laughs> activate, right? You all up in your emotions about these particular keys. So you done went from denial to bargain. Now you at anger. And now you looking at the clock and you realize you only got 10 minutes and you know traffic is a hot mess. Hmm. So now you're becoming depressed. Yep. Now you're at a place of depression. You can't be late no more at work. You can't be late no more. Right, you can't be late no more. You up here, You this doctor appointment, you you playing this doctor appointment so long ago, you just knew you was going to be there. You know they give you a 10-minute grace period and you know you about to be under that 10-minute grace period, right? and so finally you just stop and you just sit there and be like i'm just gonna be late it's gonna be it and you've already kind of set yourself up for the disappointment yeah and then you get to this place of acceptance that you didn't you've lost your keys Mm. and it's at that place of acceptance that you find what you lost that's the whole y'all go through that stage multiple times. Multiple, a lot of us have gone through that stage, those stages when it came to losing our keys. But because it was so brief, we don't realize we just went through a grieving process. Hmm. It was really brief. Death grief or familiar grief, as we classify it clinically, familiar grief lingers with us because the loss is bigger. Mm. 
the bigger the loss, the longer the grief. My God. So grief takes five years, right? It takes you five years to grieve. Five stages, five years. Let's say you go go through a stage every year, but it takes five <laughs> years to grieve. Wow. Here's the kicker of what Cynthia was saying. Say, for instance, so my grandmother's died five years ago. Ain't <laughs> hey, that crazy? My grandmother's died <clears throat> five years ago. <clears throat> no, they got six years ago. I'm sorry. They died six years ago, right? So I should be in a place where I'm through grieving or going through the grieving process or the or the process of grieving them, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the kicker. When my grandmothers died, one died in May, so, and another one died in November, okay? Mm -hmm. One died in May, one died in November. So the one in May died. I had to move out of our house. That's grief moment. Remember, grief is mm -hmm. any life-changing event. We had to... Get an apartment. That's grief moment. I'm still going through recovering from a divorce. So I'm already grieving my divorce because grief is any life changing event. I'm on year three of my divorce at this time. No, no, year two of my divorce at the time. So I'm already two years into grieving my divorce. I add my grandmother's death. So for every grief moment that I experience, I add another year to the grief moment that I've encountered. So I was grieving my divorce already. My grandmother passed. It takes five years to grieve. I just added year six to my divorce grief. And now I got a five-year grieving point with my grandmother. But I moved out the house that I, that I was familiar with. That's another year of grief. So now I got six for my grandma's grief, seven for my divorce grief. Then I had to move into, right. So it's not just adding to the new grief moment. It adds to the moment that you were grieving as well. So when we talk about, or we looking at people who are grieving someone who may have died 20, 15, 30 years ago, we like, why you ain't over that? It's because they've experienced multiple grief moments that added up to those 30 years. And if you really did deep and if that person really sat down and thought about the moment that that grief moment started, that grief moment may have started in 1982. Mm. But between eight, but right after that grief moment, all these other life changing events happened, whether good or bad. Okay. Happened. That added another year to the original grief moment. And then it continues to add another year to all the other grief moments that she's experienced. My goodness. And that includes getting a new job. So if I get a new job, my mama died, and I have a baby, I literally just added three years to the original grief moment of my mama died. Mm. I add another year to my new job grief. And I added another year to my baby grief. Wow. Do y'all understand? So when do I have time to grieve the original grief when there are always new grief moments being added to the grief moment that I've already grieved? Jesus. Oh, Lord. Just so think we about it. it. It's a lot to just take in. And when you sit down and you think of all of the things that just on a day-to-day -day basis that people go through, we're grieving minutes, hours, days, years, months, you know, because things are happening every day. So how do you practice through that? Yeah, and I was about to say, here's again, here again, let's go back. If it's a good grief moment, it's not going to paralyze us as a familiar grief moment. Gotcha. So you'll never realize you're grieving the good grief moment because it's good grief. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a excited, happily time. You won't realize you're going through those five stages, just like you losing the keys. You don't realize you went through all those five stages when you're looking for your keys. 
or a credit card or a debit card or whatever, you don't, or even if you had a flat tire, run out of gas, any of those things, you never think about those grieving moments then because they are so quick. Mm-hmm. However, they're not as they, but when we think about familiar grief, a divorce, death, um, anything that can paralyze that's so traumatic homelessness. Mm. Yeah. Financial, uh, financial um, instability, yeah. uh, bankruptcy, any of those grief moments that kind of paralyze you, you don't realize how those l- good grief moments affect these familiar grief moments until you sit down and process them. Um, so back to the question, how do you get through that? You stop identifying and stop labeling and you start acknowledging and processing you stop identifying and labeling and you start acknowledging and processing. Cause so a lot of times I'm sorry, could y'all give us an example of identifying and labeling? <clears throat> you know, my mama died five years ago from cancer. You identified your mama's death. You label it and I'm still mourning. It still hurts. Mm. Mm. in your case <clears throat> you know my mama got diagnosed with cancer and it's uncomfortable for me so you identified the issue you labeled the feeling but you haven't processed the emotion that would that would be labeling and um acknowledging okay so the the processing and the acknowledgement piece right so that'd be labeling and identifying okay oh acknowledging processing is acknowledging the fact that this is life changing you're scared you're disappointed you don't know what to do and you feel helpless Mm-hmm. processing is what can I do to control what's my part what's my boundaries in the situation because sometimes we operate outside of our lane and that's what adds to our grief moment oh go deeper right there too so I cannot listen to this so if something happens and I've already acknowledged and identified there's only so much I can do with somebody's dying. If I'm, if I'm going, okay, I'll use me. So gr- grief, grief moment, divorce. I acknowledge the fact that my husband don't love me. And I acknowledge and I identify the fact that we're getting a divorce. And it hurts. But the acknowledgement comes when I realize that it, it can't be all my fault because I was in a relationship with somebody else. So that means that I can't take it all for myself. That's the mm-hmm. acknowledgement. I, I can't do this all by myself. It wasn't just me, but it wasn't just him either. It was us together. Mm-hmm. Now, how the us handled it is what created this hurt and disappointment. And here's the process. I'm hurt. And because I'm hurt, I don't trust. I'm insecure and I need help. Mm-hmm. I have completely lost my identity because of this hurt. That's the process. Now, because I've, I acknowledge, now I can process, okay, I need to focus on my insecurity. I need to focus on the disappointment. I need to focus on this, that, or the other. That's the thing that allows us the space and opportunity to process and and not just go from identifying and labeling. That's good. So talk to us about um, us being believers and those people who are in the the church setting and how um, we tend to use scriptures to justify our grief. Yeah, so... um, The good thing about believers is we are great at manipulating ourselves into a place of healing. Mm -hmm. 
And what I say that is we will use scripture as a way to manipulate and process healing um, versus us being in a position and being in a place of um, realizing we ain't, we're not in that place. We're not where we think we are. We want to say, okay, you know what? The Lord says he's close to the broken heart. He draws mm-hmm. near. So let me just draw near to God. Let me, let me draw closer to him. Yes, great start. He does want you to draw closer to him. But in him drawing closer to you and you drawing closer to him, he's now surrounding you with counsel that you need in order to process through life. Because here's the thing about depression. Depression, as a believer, makes you manipulate Jesus is all you need. Okay? And so I said this in my sermon. If you want to go back and watch it, you can look up C2 Nation Beham. Because I said Jesus even had counselors in the midst of his grieving moments. Look here, it's also on the um Jesus Plus Therapists podcast Facebook page. <laughs> Get your life. <laughs> okay. Um, so to say Jesus is all I need is saying I only want the part of Jesus that that justifies manipulation, justifies the fact that I can be isolated. Ooh, that's good. So if I say Jesus is all I need then you won't come for me and check on me. You won't hold me accountable for my healing in the process of my grief. I can stay stuck here and I got justification because Jesus is all I need. Girl, you done freed about 1.5 billion Christians right up through here. Because there's so many believers who justify grief and manipulate grief and even isolate themselves because of it, you know, and don't realize that they're holding up their own healing. Right. Because you said Jesus is all you need. Here's Hmm. the kicker. Jesus himself went all he needed. on them or um you know they're being a trash can in a sense does that make sense what i'm trying to ask mm-hmm. okay the thing, some people are assigned to be your trash can in that season Ooh. it can handle your trash Ooh. they don't mind being your garbage collector so let me let me justify this and again go listen to the rest of the sermon. But I identified three people, um, and you said a keyword core, my mm-hmm. core circle. So that mm-hmm. means you have to identify who is your core, and you have to identify who your three is and who your twelve is. That's good. Your twelve is the tribe you go to when you just need to be surrounded by people and in love. Mm-hmm. Think about this. Um, but your three are the one ones that you can be intimate and let your hair down with. Intimate. Who was who was intimate? 
intimate. <laughs> Who was Jesus three? I'm so glad you asked John, Peter, and James. And if you look in the New Testament, out of disciples, who else wrote books outside of those three? Oh, Peter. Nobody outside of the 12, the original 12, right? So there were more disciples made, but outside of the original 12, how many of those 12 outside, how many of those 12 wrote Bible verses in the New Testament? Those three were the main writers of the New Testament. They were the main ones to be able to speak into the lives of the people. Why? Because they had an intimate relationship with Jesus. It wasn't just we walked with him, we talked with him, we served with him. It was, I was there in the Garden of Gethsemane when he got taken before he went to the cross. I was at the feet of Jesus while he was on the cross holding his mama. I was denying him. I was trying to justify him. Timothy is the only other disciple outside. And he's not even a disciple. Timothy wasn't a disciple. Mm-mm. In the 12, in the original 12, he was a disciple, but not in the original 12. But out of the original 12, those three are the main dudes. Why were they the main dudes? Because they had this more intimate relationship with Jesus. So you need to identify in that core, who's your Peter, who's your John, and who is your James? What's a Peter? Your Peter is the person who gonna cut you Wow. Come on, Zoro. Peter Zoro. Your Peter cuts people. He it cuts some things off. So your Peter gonna be like, I know that you're grieving, but this grief has you so paralyzed you can't operate in your calling. That's good, Sean. Mm-hmm. So Peter doesn't say, don't stop grieving. Peter says you got to grieve through. You got you to gotta process this grief while still operating your calling. I, I, I got you. You ain't got to worry about you being protected. I got you. I just need you to operate. That's good. Think about what Peter did in the Garden of Gethsemane when the soldier came. He cut his ear off, but Jesus still operated. Je- Again, Jesus had just got through begging God to remove the cup. He was dripping sweat, drops of sweat like blood. And when the soldier came, Peter cut him, and Jesus still operated in healing. So that means that you need people that even in the midst of your sweat, even in the midst of your cry, even in the midst of your moan and your groan, going to remind you or give you the opportunity to operate in what you're called to do. So that's what Peter did. Peter still reminded Jesus, you still got a calling. You still got to heal. I'm going to say, oh, Jesus said, here, put the man ear back on. Don't, don't do that, Peter. <laughs> and listen. Peter is the friend. You be like, why are you so mean? They're called to be mean. Oh, that's good. They are called to be bold and 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 and, and tactfully um, guardful of you. That's that's their job. So for you to question them, question their anointing, because everybody ain't got that anointing, means that you're a questionnaire assignment that God gave them for you in that season to protect you while you grieve healthy. That's what I was going to say. Most times, Peters are known for being protectors because in that scripture, you see where Peter is just simply, he cut the man ear off because he was trying to protect Jesus. Mm-hmm. He, in that setting, he was Jesus's armor bearer and he knew his assignment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we try to, um, when we try to change a person and who they are, they'll end up not fulfilling their assignment in your life. Mm-hmm. So it's good to identify who Peter is in your core because you'll mislabel Peter. Come on. You and, will mislabel Peter. And they will leave you naked, high and dry. Now you grieving neck too. So mm-hmm. if you mislabel the person, if you if you call a John a Peter, baby, you're going to be messed up because mm-hmm. John's job was to love Jesus here 
we don't see any other disciple at the foot of, of the cross but John. And John is holding up Mary. And Jesus says to John, son, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. There's an intimacy because John knew how to love even in the midst of chaos. You need somebody who is willing to hear that story over and over again and love you every time through that process of your grief. You may replay the moment. You may feel the guilt. You may talk about how it's your fault and you need to identify the John who's willing to uphold you and pray for you and intercede for you and remind you of the call of love on your life. But if you don't give them the space to do it, you will be talking the language of, don't nobody love me. Don't nobody care for me. Don't nobody, don't nobody understand what I'm going through. Nobody understands what I, what you're going through because you ain't went to your job. That's good. That's good. So talk about James. Oh, my boy James. Y'all ever read the book of James? I hate the book of James. I do. And I hate it because it brings such conviction on me. Um, when it comes to trials and tribulations, James 1 starts off, be of good courage. Find joy in the midst of trials and tribulations. That's all he talks about in, in chapter 1 is how to have a grateful heart, a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving in the midst of your storm. Like, why are you crying? Get your life. You here? You breathing? So you need someone who says to you, listen, I know you grieving. Huh? I know that there's something. I need you to remind yourself of the joy of the Lord that is your strength in the midst of this sorrowful moment. Now, here's the kicker. <clears throat> James had no, had no filter. <laughs> he had no filter at all. He was bold and straight to the point. He had he he had no chaser. Okay, I'm a, James. I'm a whole James. Okay, <laughs> I feel that I'm a James in the in the spirit. Huh? Girl, she a James all the way around. Ain't no <laughs> just in the spirit. You a James all the way around. <laughs> Oh Lord. But listen, you need someone who's gonna give you to you straight no chaser. Because if if some if you always if you got three Johns around you, you're gonna be stuck. You got three Peters around you, you're gonna be cut. But you got and you got three Janes around you, you're gonna be depressed. Mm. So you need the balance of the three because all three speaks to every part and every facet of your grief moment of those five stages. Three people make up five stages. Ooh, that's good. I ain't never look at it like that. So you have to realize those three people are definitely necessary in your life when you're grieving. You can't do this alone. I love the scripture and and Cynthia knows my scripture, my go-to when it comes to being alone because that's her thing. I can do this by myself. That's why we be talking about all these aloneness. Oh, I got this. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, two are better than one. <laughs> For if one falls, there's someone to pick it up. Pick that person up. It even says shame on you for not having someone there. Mm. And, and one translator, it says, shame on you for not having someone there. Shame on you. You know who you are, listener. This, mm. bro. Shame on you. That means when you're going through the divorce, when you're going through the trials, tribulation, when you've lost your job, you you become homeless. Why put yourself through trials and tribulations that you have not even called to do? God didn't even call. He said you are the head and not the tail. You can't be the head and not the tail without somebody being there. The whole book from Genesis to Revelation is about relationship. And so what this whole grief process boils down to is you got to identify relationships. 
and you have to label them in order to get through the process. And I, I said this, I say all of that. I told you to identify your three because you need to understand that counseling is definitely necessary when you're grieving. I just read a status of one of my cousins and she she identified and labeled the fact that she deals with depression and anxiety and that she's hard to deal with. She's difficult to deal with. Um, she she labeled the fact that, you know, it can be hard for her some days. And that was good. And I was like, bravo. But are you seeing somebody? Because I know that she's lost a daughter. I know she's lost her mom. My aunt just died last year. A year before last, it's not been long. I know there were multiple deaths in her in our family that affected her directly. Wow. So thank you for openly socially media acknowledging your depression and anxiety. But are you in a place where you're seeking someone to help you process through it. Do you have your James that may be your, your, your counselor? Do you have your Peter who may be your counselor? Do you have your John that may be your counselor? Who do you have counseling you, therapizing you? That's not a word. Taking Child, you- what I realized, we be making a, we, we will make up some words. Okay? Make up some words. Who do you have helping you process the moments that you've labeled and identified. So let's go here, social media piece. Um, And I love this episode. I think this is gonna be my favorite episode. I say your second, your second favorite episode because you said your naked and the shame was your favorite episode. Um. So let's go here. Many times I'm noticing this a lot in my age group. We use social media as our means of, quote unquote, a cry for help. Mm -hmm. So you'll see the statuses of, oh, my God, I'm not going to make it. This, this, that, and the third. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't know how to healthily um, express our grief moments because we don't realize that Facebook is not a safe place. Um, so give us examples of a healthy way to, I don't want to say vomit, but to bring some of that up in a healthy environment so that it can actually be dealt with and not just liked or the care emoji or whatever on social media and nothing actually happens. First of all, if you are a friend of that person who makes their status, do not comment publicly on the status. That's good. Inbox them. Exchange numbers. If you're truly concerned, not being nosy. Mm. That's the one right there, sis. <laughs> because... If you just call them to be nosy, you're more damaging to them. You're you are the Judas at that moment. Real, 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 real. Can we go and talk about Judas for a minute? Let's just touch on Judas for a hot second. Because so, so wait, let me. I pose this, and maybe I said this to you, and, and maybe I just said this. I've said this a lot of times. And it's. Um, Ain't it crazy? Okay, yeah, that's improper. But ain't it crazy that after Jesus rose, he didn't go get Judas? Like, he could have, like, Judas hung, we know Judas hung himself, right? Judas committed suicide because he betrayed Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus could have went and, and raised Judas from the dead. Y'all do know that, right? Because he's already done it before. He mm-hmm. could have raised Judas from the dead, forgave Judas, and Judas could have been in heaven. Yeah, yeah, do know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But saints and ain't. He could have. But if he, he didn't. Let me say this. It is don't pick up grief after you've been healed from it. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, 
we got crickets. <laughs> Don't pick up grief after you've been healed from it. Jesus could have. Listen to me, y'all. He could have. He could have raised Judas for the dead, forgave him, and Judas could have did. Could have went about his marriage way and could have had a heart of forgiveness. But Jesus knew that Judas had did his job and him committing suicide had nothing to do with anything else but Jesus' grief dying. So you saying Judas served his purpose? Yeah. My God. So even your Judases serve a purpose in your life. My God. If it weren't for Judas, he would, Jesus would have never got to the cross. Hmm. And I, I'll say that during the Easter sermon. Like, I give me a Judas any day. Get me to my next level. Judas got Jesus to the cross, his next level. Because nobody else could. None of the 12 would, his core would have not. Peter said, no. Like, no, that ain't going to happen. Not on my watch. That's good. The only person bold enough to get Jesus to his next, even though he committed suicide, was Judas. But again, Jesus could have came back after he didn't did his, his job, could have came back and, and raised Judas from the dead. Could have asked, where is Judas? Judas was really operating as a witch, quote unquote. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but we categorize um, witches as those, who, those people who just solely do like um, voodoo, hoodoo, whatever the case may be, but a witch is anyone who speaks against what God is, what God has planned and purposed. Um, and for Judas to deny, uh, not that was Peter who denied Jesus, but for Judas to sell out, in a sense, um, Christ. He was operating as a witch. A lot of people don't even put, you know, put those two together. But I'm I'm glad that that point was brought up. Um, you know, sometimes you need those haters. You need um, those people. That's why I, I always tell people, I don't know if I got haters or not. Because I don't, I, I love them all. Okay. I love all of you. However many of you have there. Um, but so many times we try to disconnect ourselves prematurely from our Judas's forgetting that Judas eventually kills himself. You don't have to do anything to Judas, but just let Judas be, be who he is. And that's what I want to bring to the table. Don't push your Judas's away. Eat dinner with them, sis. Buy them lunch. Bring them to the table. Because when it's all said and done, they're going to push you to your next. And you have to remember that your next is now. So, yeah, I think this conversation is so needed so that we're able to not only to identify our grief, but to actually move past it and actually get into healing because so many of us i believe are stuck in grief and honestly can i say this and this is gonna be my last statement because i'm sure somebody's gonna get convicted or get mad one of the two i pray you get convicted and get healed some people are using their grief as a means to justify unhealthy behaviors in relationships. Mic drop. Oh, I wish we had that sound. That's good. So, mm, go there. A mother who lost their child, but you have four other kids. But you still justified your behavior of being mean to the other four based mm. upon the one you lost. Come you, on, Holy Ghost. You literally just stripped the other four 
of knowing who you are because you're stuck in a grieving moment. You taking care of the other four doesn't mean you forgot the one. My God. My God. A wife or husband who's lost their spouse. And it may be fresh. It may have been this year. It may have been months ago. If you stay stuck at being bitter at God or others because of that person's absence, because they as long as you're alive, they're still alive because you still got memories of that person, okay? Okay. So let's emphasize that. As long as you're alive, that person is alive because you still have a voice. You still have breath in your body to remember that person. But if you are in a place where you are justifying your anger, you're justifying your meanness, your, your down, dirty, low downness, mm. because your spouse or somebody you love died, you are literally keeping yourself. You are literally saying to the enemy, set me up for hell. Because mm. I'd, rather, I'd rather stay in this state of unhealthy grief than to even embrace the grief of health, the health of grief by asking God to send the right people into my life to heal me and drawing near to him and feeling his presence. Listen, you could be mad at God. You could be frustrated at God. You could be pissed at God. Listen, he does not care because he's going to love you just the same. What hurts him is that you feel like that's the only place you can be. Mm. What hurts him, what disappoints him, what grieves his heart is as though you think that's it. This is all, this is my life from here on out. When God is saying, no, I'm a deliverer. I'm a healer. I'm a sustainer. I can replace. Now, I can't replace the love. I can't replace the memories, but I can definitely heal your heart. I can definitely surround you with the right counsel. I can definitely help you process through this. I can definitely teach you how to love again, including loving yourself and not be in a place of guilt. But if you stay there, you literally tell the enemy, come attack me, come get me. I have nothing else to live. And so that's why during this day, uh, Christmas season, we have to be careful with people who have lost loved ones, whether it be through Corona, sickness, it doesn't matter. Check on your people. I don't care if it's been 35 years or 60 years. You don't know what life-changing events have been added to the grief they had already had towards the, the thing that they lost. Mm. Yeah, you got that girlfriend still talking about that divorce. It's still triggering because she still got to see the Negro. Yeah, you talk, You got that homeboy still talking about divorce. It's still triggering because he still got to see her. Especially if they got kids together. And even mm-hmm. if they don't, they may that they, they may have still have commonalities. So yeah, it still hurt. And what I'm saying to you is, if you decide to get stuck, because you don't have to stay stuck, but if you decide to stay stuck there in your grief, manipulating the feelings you have, justifying the feelings you have, then you are saying to God, "I don't trust you to be healed." Goodness. I don't trust you to heal my grief, God. I don't trust you that you are my redeemer. I don't trust that you're the miracle worker because you didn't work the miracle. Again, he does not care that you, he, let me not say that. He cares that you are mad, you're angry, and you're pissed. But that does not move you away from his love. Nothing can, the Bible says nothing can separate you from his love. No death, no height, no, no end, no out, no no demon, no demonic force, nothing can. So your anger, your manipulation don't even separate you from the father's love. Mm. You lose on the benefits of his healing. So why lose benefits? 
Yes, it hurts that that loved one is gone. Trust me, I literally just saw my cousin give a shout out to her little sister who was the same age as me. Mm. And she was, she's missing. And she died all of a sudden. I have so many friends who lost loved ones this year. And I'm grieving with them because I'm like, these people impact me. Yes. But it would be a just a an injustice to that person for me to be stuck here. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm supposed to say this, but I've learned how to um I guess I really have taken into the fact that when we as believers don't grieve as others grieve. Um and I've allowed um my belief system to shift when it comes to death. And so um, I would say this past week, um, one of the members of the Silver Chick community passed and she passed due to COVID. And she reached out to me maybe a few days before she passed and she was like, pray for me. And instantly, of course, I stopped and prayed. Um, But it was something different about this particular message. Um, it was almost as though, not saying that I knew she wasn't going to make it, but it was just something different about the message. And um, I remember seeing the post um, from her daughter that she had passed, and immediately my heart, it felt weird. It wasn't sad, and it wasn't happy, but it was just kind of like a calm because I knew where she was. Mm -hmm. And so here lately, I say within the last five or so years, um, death has taken on a different meaning for me, especially when I know where that person has gone or is going. Um, We don't grieve like everybody else grieve because we know they're in a better place. And so... I think that when believers transition, we're told to celebrate because they made it home. Mm -hmm. And this is why we we see people having, you know, celebration services and things of that nature, because we're celebrating the fact that they've transitioned from this world to the next. Mm-hmm. And so, um, although, you know, in my heart, yes, there's a space where I'm kind of like, God, she didn't, you know, she didn't get to the, her best days, but did she not? Right. You know, did she not really? Because evidently if she's no longer here, she fulfilled her purpose. And I believe that one of her purposes was to push me to where I was supposed to be. That wasn't her, why God sent her on earth, but I know that was a part of it, you know? And so I just encourage our listeners um, to shift their perspective as it relates to death. Um, because we don't mourn as others mourn. Yes, there will be a space where you miss them, um, but you know in your heart of hearts that you will see them again. So that's just my piece on that. And I hope that, you know, kind of coats your heart and allows you to know that there is another place for us Um beyond this life but i think we don't as believers and i'm gonna say this i i feel like we miss it we we want everything about god until that point comes to to death Mm. death comes and all of a sudden we have the right to be Mm. i got the right to be but you ain't the author and finisher of their life story it's that tight entitlement right and so you the the believers feel like there's an entitlement to be angry and you do you can be any emotion you are 
But if you're going to be truly a believer after you get through all those emotions and you miss them and you acknowledge the fact you miss them, you have to go back to the original plan of God. And the word says, rejoice for those who are dead, mourn for those who are alive. Come on. If you're going to believe the Bible, you got to believe the whole one. Don't. And I think a lot of times we we don't want to believe that because that means that holds us to a place of accountability of what James said in chapter one to rejoice in the midst of trials. That means that James, whatever what was said in the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes is now confirmed in the New Testament in James. My God. So. And if we, if, if y'all some, I, I don't, I don't, the Old Testament is, 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 is when the law was in place. And then if, even if you're one of those believers, James still said, James still confirmed what Ecclesiastes said. Mm. So either way it goes, the rejoice of death is already there because death is a trial, it's a tribulation. It's an uncomfortable place. And that's what James really talks about. Learning how to find joy in those moments and be thankful and grateful in those moments. So if that be the case, whether you one who just canceled out the old and stick with the new, you still got to be in the position of joy. Ooh, Jesus, you done came for the, the seasoned saints and the new babes in Christ <laughs> in one sentence. Okay. Listen, I love, I love this conversation. And I think that it's a conversation that we all need to have on a continual basis. This is one of those conversations. These, <laughs> I know somebody who does a podcast and it's named after an onion, but this is a conversation that is kind of multi-layered like an onion and you have to peel back the layers um, in order to get to the root or the core of the issue. And I think this is a conversation that needs layers. So I thank you, licensed professional counselor, um, Shandrika Cook, for just peeling back the first layer of this conversation surrounding around grief. Y'all give her a clap. Like... Child, you did that thing this morning or afternoon whenever our listeners are listening. Girl, I am so like, can I just say, can I just be little sister for a moment? You can. I am so proud of you. Oh my God, girl. I'm just gushing. Like I was looking at the live feed and I'm like, that's my sister right there. And I am, y'all gotta know, like I've known Sean since I was 18 years old. I'm about, well, I am 35 now. I think, yeah, I'm 35. And so just to to know her before this pre-licensed professional counselor and after licensed professional counselor, child, the growth is amazing. And I am so grateful to God that I was the first client. Okay. Always retro grandfathered in. Okay. Um, <laughs> Don't get it twisted. And I'm just amazed at how God works. I remember us praying, you know, just pray that I pass this test, you know? Right. And, right. And so, you know, to be in a space to see the actual manifestation and you operating in your lane of influence or your mountain of influence, it's, it's amazing. And I can't wait to see the totality of what God does in and through you as a licensed professional counselor because the world hasn't seen nothing yet and I am just in awe of the woman the the woman the professional the I'm in all of it all I'm here for it what an honor it is definitely an honor to hear your little sister do that, right? Like she see me, you see me in my lowest of lowest, right? You see me in the midst of the divorce where I wanted to go slash a couple of tires. And I was um, with you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you see me when I was like, well, let me just ride by. Let me see if I can hit him with the car. Um, it wouldn't be, I mean, it's not premeditated. If I'm just in the neighborhood and I saw him and my <laughs> bad, my foot slipped on the brake. Um, it was just grief. It was grief. It was, it was right. And then I'm a mental health professional by this time. And so mm-hmm. I could just be like, I was triggered and I had PTSD. He just triggered me. Right. Um, and I knew enough professionals that could amen me and get me out of jail. Um, but no, um, I think it was just an honor. I, I, it's so crazy because that was the most, last week was the busiest weekend I've ever been busy in a while. Um, and what was so amazing was the revelation God gave me afterwards. Mm-hmm. like the John, James, and Peter situation. Yeah, that was all Holy Spirit. That wasn't even in my mm-hmm. notes. That was mm-hmm. all Holy Spirit. But I remember God saying, because my my goal, just in case somebody knows somebody who knows somebody, is to do a TED Talk. Like, that's, that's on my bucket list. Like, I at least want to do three TED Talks. And it was amazing, because as I was going up, God was like, this is your preparation for your TED talk Mm -hmm. and don't be nervous just be you be as canning as active as y'all I am dramatic so it was like I was like be dramatic be bold be confident be who you are but what made it so great and if you go on my Facebook page I did I have not did Dear Future Husband 365 and like for ever and I did a dear future husband three sister five video because God was like speak to your king because he's watching oh girl I'm finna go up so I was just like okay God and it wasn't a hesitation it was he needs to know who you are and how grateful you are for him even in his absence and I say that to say this say that again like Speak to your king because he watches. Yes. Oh, that did something to my spirit. She's so silly. She's so, yeah, she's so vehement. I say that to say this to some singles. Just because you don't see the manifestation does not mean you start speaking. Don't allow your grief to silence your voice. Don't allow. She, I took a pause because I was like, what you had to say? Don't allow your grief to silence your voice because that's what happened to me. I've been grieving my singleness since last year. And of course we was locked up, Um, but I've been grieving my singleness since last year. And I remember God telling me that this would be the year of transition for me. And I've been through so many transitions, even up until the day of this sermon. I was in the process of a transition and I remember God saying to me, when you finish, go speak to your king because he's watching you. Not only is he watching you, he is praying and interceding for you and he will speak words that you have never heard ever in your life and you will be his safe place and he will be your safe place and all will be well. And so I say that to say this to a single who is is thinking about that son, what did the lonely do at Christmas? They prepare. Listen, that question has been out there and I've been meditating on it. Y'all heard me talk about it, but God literally gave me the revelation. What do the lonely do at Christmas? They prepare. They prepare for whatever they've been waiting God to manifest in their life. And they don't take the weight of waiting as a negative thing. They take the weight of waiting as a strength building thing. Listen, God gonna put more weight on you because you need to be a little bit more stronger. So don't get discouraged. Don't get depressed don't allow your singleness to depress you don't allow it to grieve you listen and don't allow it to silence you i promise you i was there last year and i and i paused it this year but god literally told me to speak to my king and i have just been in on cloud 22 since then not cloud honey listen i girl that's the piece that i saw last week Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is. I can't put my good eye on it, but 
you know, it's so different. So Did you? But yes, my good eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is gonna be our longest episode. <laughs> just, yes, people don't listen. This has been an amazing, uh, well-rounded show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just saw this quote. Um, I follow Adrian Davis on um, Instagram. And so he just made a post and he said, to love me full is to have gone to a a thousand of my funerals. Let the old them die so you can fully love the new them. Let people grow. And I think the awe that I see in you is the fact that I've been to a thousand funerals. Uh, yes, yes. And listen, not once, not even once, did we have any slow songs playing in the background. Mm-mm. It was always a celebration. It was always a twerk. Okay, twerking, <laughs> twerking on a case. Turkey on the kids. Oh, turkey on the kids. Oh, turkey down the app. Oh, turkey down the app. Listen. I, but that's but that is a lesson of surrender. You mm. can't unless there's a lesson. I can't listen. There could never be a place of joy unless I surrender something. So I just because I surrender doesn't mean that the weight gets lighter. That means the weight gets heavier. Surrender mm. equals heavier weight. So the more you surrender, the more the weight gets heavy. It is okay because it's just strengthening you. Come on. Okay, I'm done. Y'all, we she rocking. That means she she about to. Mm-mm. Y'all, we gonna end right now because she got this thing off. Because <laughs> she look, we gotta record. <laughs> we gotta do some other things. And she she mm-mm, she rocking. Listen, we appreciate each and every one of you all. We hope that we blessed you with this. Listen, we only have two more episodes. And listen, our last episode, we are praying. We're going to intercede on the behalf of every prayer request, every believer, every non-believer. Listen, if you need God to do something supernatural, not in just 2022, but in 2021 too, we want to pray for you. So do us a favor. Send your prayer request to Jesus plus P-L-U-S therapy sis at gmail.com. I promise you we check the email. Somebody require us to be on Reason Podcast. And so we are now on Reason Podcast platform. So thank you for that person who submitted that who want us to be part of that and we are excited we hope that you are blessed by this episode we appreciate you and we look forward to seeing you next week on Jesus week on the party (laughs) no on Jesus plus therapy sis bye (laughs) y'all